We'll have a, um, uh, an all-church meeting kind of discussing the, the, the two services and the one service and all that. Just kind of do just a little series on spiritual practices, four essential spiritual practices uh, that hopefully uh, I'm not sure what, what you do during the week. Uh, but the first one is, um, these are like four essential practices. First one is prayer. Uh, the second one is engaging in social justice. Uh, the third one, which might be the more, I think they're all challenging for sure, but is mellowness of heart. <laughs> and then the fourth one is just being a part of a community, uh, you know, being a part of a church or the body of Christ, kind of keep us centered. And if we leave any of these four practices out, we end up being out of balances. So today we're going to talk about prayer. And uh, it's kind of hard to talk about prayer because you don't have a whole lot of exciting stories with prayer because it's usually just <laughs> kind of being still there. So I'm just going to read a, a couple of verses. Uh, the first one here is from uh, Romans 8, and I'm just going to read verse uh, 26 here. So likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. So we do not know how to pray. So it's a lifelong process, I would say, of learning, uh, learning to pray. They pray, pray. And also from uh, Matthew here. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 here. Uh, but whenever you pray, go into your room. Some translations say go into your inner room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And this is uh, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. So as we take some time just for uh, prayer and, and reflection here, uh, what is your prayer life right, right now? Maybe it's, it's completely absent. Maybe you just say a prayer when you have an emergency. Uh, but do you have a regular prayer life? What is your practice there? So let's just take a few moments to, to pray and to reflect on that. During that time, I was thinking one of the real values, and I'd say one of the real strengths or pluses of this particular service is just the, the quietness and, and the peace, which I would call prayer. Uh, so if you do know, uh, as we move into our two services here, just knowing some people that uh, maybe don't have a church home or are looking for one or, or just really value that, that peace and that stillness, uh, feel free to certainly invite them to be part of this service. Uh, so I'm thinking about prayer this week. I kind of went all over the place. But I remember you know, when I started teaching many, many years ago, right after Jennifer and I got married, uh, I did remember some of the wisdom that our, our college professors who were trying to teach us to be good teachers, the, the wisdom that they shared with us. And they, they talked a whole lot about classroom management, which I was not uh, very good at, to say the least. But quite often, they would talk about whatever you do when you start teaching kids, don't get into power struggles with the kids. And they would say this all the time, but they didn't give us a whole lot of uh, information on how to avoid getting into that power struggle to start with. And those of you who have maybe raised kids or, you know, having grandkids, you, you have probably just find yourself in those power struggles. And you go, how in the world does it, did this happen? And I can remember one particular day, though I was teaching seventh grade English, it was my first or second year of teaching. It was right after lunch, which is always the kids are kind of hyped up a little bit. And uh, I was sitting on my desk, and the kids were coming into the classroom. And they were talking, and all of them sat down, they got settled. And this one particular girl, 
she was just wandering around the classroom being very uh, just uh, offbeat and destructive and, and, and disrupting everything there. And I said, hey, you need to, we're going to get started now. You need to have a seat and be quiet so we can get class started. Well, she said something to me. I reacted. <laughs> I said something back to her. She said something to me. And this went back and forth three or four times. And finally, she said something. I can't remember the exact words. Probably good. At, well, I don't. But my reaction, I just reacted very strongly. And when she said this, and it just set me off, and I got angry, I, I left off my desk. I leaped off my desk there. And I could feel that I was going towards her. <laughs> and it wasn't going to be good. It was a strong reaction. And something happened. Some little voice said, do you want to end your career over this one remark? <laughs> <clears throat> Something caught me, and I sat back down. I remember just grabbing that desk <laughs> so I wouldn't step off of it again. But it was a reaction, a very strong reaction. And we have this happen. We make these split decisions throughout our days where we react. Someone says something, um, we encounter a, a person who's holding up the line. We get a phone call. We get something in the news. And we have these reactions. And I don't know about you, but quite often when I react to life and situations, usually my reactions are not good. I could tell you, tell you many other stories where I reacted to a situation and it wasn't like, oh, I stepped back and paused. <clears throat> it was a very poor reaction. So can prayer... Can deep prayer take us from a reaction, always constantly reacting to life, to a more deep, thoughtful response? Can the practice of prayer, and specifically we're going to talk about contemplative prayer, just being still or resting in God, move us from these knee-jerk reactions that I'm guessing most of us make from time to time, to more thoughtful compassionate, patient responses to all these interactions we have throughout our day. Last week, I spent a couple days, I went down to, uh, to Ghost Ranch and just to have a little retreat there. And on the way down and back, I, I listened to the, the Book of Joy you know, by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And, and just their, their wisdom their peace, their, their kindness, and their patience, and, and even the joy. Just hearing them speak, you just feel a little bit more at rest. And both of them have had numerous threats on their life, and Desmond Tutu has lived through apartheid and was part of the Truth and Reconcili Reconciliation Commission. The Dalai Lama, likewise, has had threats against his life. He's been living in exile for, for 50 years. So they have dealt with a lot of storms in life. And yet they manifest this great peace. When I was listening to this book, though, I was thinking, yeah, they've gone through a lot, but neither one of them has ever taught seventh graders. Or <laughs> 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 raised these uh, I guess Tutu has raised kids for sure, though. And the Dalai Lama, he gets up at 3 a.m. and starts praying and meditating from 3 to 8 Desmond Tutu gets up at 4 o'clock daily to pray 
So they both do this for four or five hours a day, praying and meditating. And all the great spiritual teachers will tell you the value and the importance of having a prayer life, a life of meditation. And in the Gospel of Mark, we read, In the morning, while it was still very, very dark, Jesus got up and he went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. And he did this often, always early in the morning. He'd go and find a quiet place and pray. So how do we start our morning? Quite often we talk about that original blessing or starting off with something good. Do we start off with something good, with that peace? And all these spiritual gurus, they start their day off with prayer and meditation. How do we start our days off? Richard Rohr says, prayer is sitting in silence until it silences us. Sitting in silence until it silences us. That, that storm brewing around us becomes still. Father Thomas Keating says, contemplative prayer is the pure gift of God. It is the opening of our minds and hearts, our whole being, to mystery, to the divine, to the goodness or the sacredness of our world as well as ourselves. Through that prayer, we are resting in God. And Psalm 46 says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am love and joy and peace. Be still and know that I am patience and kindness, generosity, gentleness, and self-control. Do we take time every day to be still and to rest in God, to practice centering prayer or contemplative prayer, just a minimum of 20 minutes a day is to consent to God's presence in our world and within us. It ends up creating more love, more joy, more peace, more wisdom within us as we move from reacting to everything in life to more what I would call a God-like or Christ-like response. Father Rohr says, centering prayer in this contemplative prayer, just be still, know that I am God. It is so simple and so transformative, yet it's very hard to teach. And it's hard to practice as well. Several of us in the church have been practicing for four or five years, and sometimes it's just, it's a battle just to be still and to listen. We run through life at a breakneck pace, and it's fight or flight, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're anxious. We're fearful. We have to get things done. We have to prove our our worth. And we just don't have time to be still for a minimum of 20 minutes a day. Like I mentioned, the Dalai Lama, he gets up at 3 a.m., and from 3 to 8 a.m., he would call it meditation, but he does this prayer. And he also goes to bed at 7 o'clock. So he does get eight hours of sleep a night. It's not like he goes off of two hours of sleep. So he does get plenty of sleep. The Apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing. And when he says this, I don't think he's thinking about saying the Our Father all day long. (laughs) Or saying the Rosary all day long, even though that would be a great practice. He's talking about going someplace 
deeper, an inner silence, where prayer becomes a way of life. And the disciples, when I think about our lives and my life especially as well, they're in a boat. And I love the story, and this tremendous storm comes up. How often do we find ourselves in those daily storms? A storm comes up, and they react. They react to that storm with panic, with fear, worry, anxiety, and anger. And how often is that our reaction to whatever we're facing in life? And they yell at Jesus, Jesus, wake up. They're angry, they're anxious, wake up. I was thinking maybe he, been, he got up so early. <laughs> and he was praying. He falls asleep in the middle of the day or something there. Wake up, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die out here. Don't you love us anymore? And it's a strong reaction. And Jesus wakes up and says, peace be still. Peace be still. And the wind ceases and there is a dead calm. And what he's saying is, to them and to us here today, why are you afraid? Why are you worried? Why are you so anxious and angry? Why are you defensive? Why are you so bitter? Peace. Be still. And he's talking to the storm, but he's talking to us in the storms in our life. Peace, be still. Are we willing to develop a prayer life just to be still and to listen and to go within? It's so simple and so transformative. But do we take that time each day, just 20 minutes a day, to be still, to go within, and to listen. Father Rohr says that inner voice, that stillness, the indwelling spirit prompts us towards compassion instead of hatred, forgiveness instead of resentment, generosity instead of stinginess, and bigness instead of pettiness. So where do we start? How do we pray? And Matthew says, if you want to pray, enter into your inner room and close the door and pray to God, our Creator. And that inner room symbolizes our heart and our soul. Instead of looking out here about everything that needs to change outside, we look within us and examine our souls or our heart And next, we close the door, which represents our intention of letting go of all thoughts and preoccupations and memories and plans, letting go of all of our anxiety and our fear and our worry. And this is why the Dalai Lama and Tutu spend four or five hours a day in prayer, letting go of all that anxiety and all that fear. And when those thoughts come, which uh, the Buddhists often call the monkey brain, and it just overwhelms us. The thoughts will not stop. We just return our attention back to being still 
Sometimes I, I can't stop the thoughts. I just try not to judge the thoughts and let them go on by. But we're still. And finally, we pray to our Creator. We pray to Jesus Christ. We let God speak to us. And we spend time in that restful silence. And God invites us to a deeper silence, a deeper peace. And it's much like the ocean where you have that storm brewing on the ocean. And it's chaos. But the deeper you go into the water, the more still it is, the more peaceful. And this is that picture of contemplative prayer. When we go deep, we find that stillness. And then we won't necessarily notice the changes so much while we are praying. But throughout our day, we start moving from reacting to everything. And usually those reactions, at least mine, are not good. (laughs) We go from reacting to a response. Where we're more patient. We're more understanding. We're more forgiving. And so my prayer for all of us here today and our whole church, our our world, our nation... (laughs) I would like this to be our national policy. You have to spend 20 minutes a day (laughs) in silent prayer. I think it would change everything. And I know if you make a commitment, I'm going to develop my prayer life. And maybe you just go to bed 20 minutes earlier and get up 20 minutes earlier. And just be still. Be still. And just see what happens. Let us develop that deep peace, the mind of Christ. And see the changes that happen in our life. Amen. Amen.